Welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Dr. Aves Badat, and I'm a psychiatrist and teaching fellow based in Gloucester. Today I'll be talking to Dr. Daphne Keane, a consultant developmental paediatrician, to explore the topic autism, and specifically her paper entitled Autism, Ethnicity and Maternal Immigration, by Dr. Keane and colleagues, published in the April 2010 issue of the British Journal of Psychiatry. In it, they've investigated the relationship between a mother's immigration to England and whether this increases the risk of her child developing autism and whether a mother's ethnicity is also related to a risk of her child developing autism. They made some very interesting discoveries. Welcome, Dr Keane. Thank you. May I first ask, what are the main features of autism and how does a child usually come to get the diagnosis of autism? Well, the key features of autism are impaired social communication and interaction associated with a mental and behavioural rigidity, the so-called triad of impairment. Typical autism, the aloof individual with highly repetitive behaviours, is really quite uncommon. The term autism spectrum disorder describes a greater range of severity of social impairments and their associated problems, which are seen throughout the population. Recent estimates of autism spectrum disorder are just over 1% of the population. Most parents are aware of a child's social communication and interaction problems from quite an early age, but children can come to our attention at various stages of life depending on the nature of the difficulty, its severity, and whether there are any associated problems such as learning difficulties or behavioural or emotional problems. Most children are referred between the age of two and four years, but those with complex and subtle problems may not come to attention to specialist services until they're much older, possibly not even to adult life. A typical presentation to a child development service would be the preschool child who has poor language and understanding and whose social play skills haven't developed the quality of social interaction and imagination. But it's important to know that underlying deficits in social understanding may not be first apparent and the child may just seem hyperactive or not attentive or having uh, a disruptive pattern of behaviour. The child might seem unusually anxious in the face of uncertainty or change. And young adolescents and adults might be referred with anxiety or depression or come with worries about social isolation or even being able to cope independently at university. So there's a wide a variety of presentation at different ages and uh, a wide variety of different types of problems. I see. That's very helpful. So what you're saying is people might come to the attention of services through any number of problems which they might experience as, as young children, even right through to adulthood. That's quite helpful to know. What do we know then about the causes of autism and how... I suppose, how did this lead you to deciding to do this particular study? Well, there's been an enormous amount of research in many, many aspects of autism, from whole population studies, uh, epidemiology studies, to the genetics, brain anatomy, chemistry, and the psychological studies of how uh, people with autism learn and understand social and emotional relationships. But we know relatively little about the causes of autism. What we do know is that the cause is multifactorial. Genetic factors clearly play an important role, but we're recognising an increasingly complex picture, which we can see when we look at family uh, members um, of 
people with, with autism and see certain types of thinking style in individuals who have absolutely no impairment in their social relationships or social understanding. And we know that uh, in identical twins, one twin may be affected and the other not. So clearly um, there is more than just a genetic uh, picture that is uh, involved in the causation. We know that there are some risk factors, such as adverse events during pregnancy and delivery, Um, and an increased risk in any condition that can affect the brain. But these don't account for the majority of cases. So there's been a lot of interest in identifying environmental factors that could trigger autism. And some interesting findings have been uh, been put forward. Uh, For example, proximity to pesticides before birth has been suggested in one, um, one study in the United States. But rather contradictorily, Uh, so has increased urbanisation. Recently, there's been a growing uh, number of studies on parental age, particularly the age of fathers, and the risk seems to increase with increasing age, although studies on maternal age are not at all consistent and show different results. But our study started really from day-to-day clinical experience and observation. And in our autism assessment groups, we were seeing what seemed to be a disproportionate number of children whose parents came from certain countries. And we didn't see these children in other clinics. And when I asked uh, colleagues um, here and abroad, it was uh, quite soon apparent that other people had uh, seen similar things in their clinics too. One of the things that uh, was um, a question that... Uh, was raised really was whether this was an effect of immigration or whether this could be uh, an effect of ethnicity. When we started to investigate uh, what, had, what had been known about this, uh, we found that there were sporadic reports of an increased frequency of autism in children of immigrant parents. And the first study was in fact way back in the mid-1970s that came from Australia uh, where they had noted a disproportionate number of children of Greek and German parents. And this is the only study relating to European immigrants. And then in the next decade, in the 80s and into the 90s, there were uh, other reports from Europe, particularly uh, Sweden, that reported increased number of of children with autism from parents who who came from distant or what was termed exotic countries. And in these studies, we see some local geographical differences. There was one uh, study from this country that uh, showed an increased risk in uh, the Caribbean population. Uh, In Sweden, uh, the risk was related to certain countries in Africa. And in a recent study from Australia, uh, the risk was seen in those from uh, Northeast and Southeast Asia. But when we started the study, most of the reports were related to very small populations, sometimes just uh, three, or f- three or four cases. But rather perplexingly, there's, there have been some large population studies in the States that didn't show any relationship at all to immigrant status or ethnicity. When I started to think about this study, I soon realised that we had access to records 
for considerably larger numbers than previous studies up to then. We were very fortunate in being able to access the database of neighbouring services in London, which also held a large number of cases, and settled on one particular um, service, which I felt was very interesting in the uh, contrast, possible contrast, of their population compared with ours. Both services had the additional advantage of being coterminous with its local authority, so we were confident that we'd be able to identify the vast majority of children diagnosed with autism. And both child development services had similar diagnostic approaches and, importantly, routinely collected information on parental country of origin and ethnicity. Right, so the doors are very much wide open as to the knowledge about the causes of autism and... uh, your specific question was based on a number of studies and questions which are partly answered by studies in other countries and you look to try and apply it here to a decent number of uh, uh, patients to try and work out, look, is there any truth or substance to the question of whether immigration and or ethnicity causing or being associated with autism? And uh, certainly by looking at the paper, you've made quite a few striking discoveries. Could you sum up the things that you did discover in your study? Well, I think the advantage of our study is that the numbers were uh, large enough to be able to uh, look at subgroups within the uh, immigrant population. And our study found that mothers born outside Europe in Africa, the Caribbean and Asia had a significantly higher risk of having a child with an autism spectrum disorder compared with those who were born in the UK. The risk was not the same in each group. The highest risk was seen in the Caribbean group, and this was at least five times that of the UK mothers, followed by those from Africa and then Asia. We didn't, however, see any increased risk in those mothers born in other European countries. And then we looked at the question of ethnicity, and we also saw that mothers of black ethnicity had at least a five-fold increased risk than white mothers. So we looked at those uh, black mothers who were born in the UK and those who had immigrated. And when we analysed the two together, the increased risk reduced substantially, and it looked like the predominant factor was immigration there was a slightly increased risk for black mothers that was seen in one of the data sets, but not in the other. So it wasn't consistent. Excellent. So what you're saying is you actually got quite a lot of depth and you actually went further and tried to separate subgroups of populations and, and, and at least reveal some truth for the UK immigrant set or at least the London immigrant set uh, mm-hmm. about the causes of autism or at least what's associated with autism. I hope this helped you to uh, discover or understand the causes of autism better. And, and what do you think this paper does to help us understand the causes? Well, I think we've now shown uh, a significant association between maternal immigration and the risk of autism. And I feel that the, um, the size of the study and the size of the risk factor... Uh, makes it a, a secure observation now. They can't be sh- sure of the reason for the difference between our findings and the European findings and that from the United States of America, but I guess that it might reflect population uh, differences regarding um, 
population movement and migration between Europe and the US, which, which are substantial. But it's important to stress that the study can't demonstrate a causal link, only an association. We need to systematically investigate each possible factor to demonstrate a causal link. But I think the study emphasises uh, the importance of env- environmental factors in the causation of, of autism and hopefully will raise awareness of the need for further research in this area. Yes, indeed. Um, like all good research, it probably prompts more questions than answers, uh, as these things often do, and I guess the next step would be try and work out what other things... What kind of things do we need to know about autism to help diagnose and treat it better in the future? Well, at present, the only uh, convincing evidence coming from research uh, regarding effective treatment uh, suggests that early intensive intervention, particularly the behavioural-based therapies, are effective. And one of the challenges is how early it's possible to identify signs of autism in babies and infants. And I feel if we could identify babies who may be at risk of developing autism, we might be able to devise new approaches to very early intervention that could really make a difference to eventual outcome. And I think it's this area that's really going to make uh, the difference in treating it better in the future. Excellent. Well, that's certainly thrown a lot of light on a very interesting and exciting area for the profession, and I suppose the public uh, themselves are sort of interested in the area of autism too, and I hope uh, that this helps us all to learn more. Thank you very much for coming to the interview this morning, Dr. Keane.